Good morning. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and flip open to Genesis, be in four, all the way back, right, today, we're almost at the beginning, um, sorry if you've read it before, I know maybe you've already know this, and you won't need it this morning, but for us newbies, you know, man, good morning, good morning. Um, can we just, just practice something, this is weird, I'm just... Making it up today, I guess. Um, <laughs> I, I'm totally not trying to insult anybody, so don't don't think that's what it is. I just, you know, like we're at, we're at a celebration today, right? We're not at a funeral. Um, the church, is, if it's a funeral, I don't, <laughs> don't want to be at it because every funeral I've ever been to is maybe one or two is uh, pretty depressing, and I don't think that's what God wants for us when we come in here. Actually, it's a celebration because Jesus is not dead; uh, He is alive. So let's let's try some things. Um, this this is a word called amen, uh, and it just it means I agree. Can we just try that together? I'm gonna count to four, and then we can just say amen together. Ready? One, two, three, four. Amen. That was see that was good. We can do it. Um, that was good. So that's like one. I'm good with that. Um, a yes can work. So like if if you're not an amen person, I'm not Southern Baptisty. I used to be, but it didn't. I didn't fit because I like jeans. But um. But um, these are khakis, by the way, and they're not dress pants. Um, <laughs> just in case you're wondering if I'm stepping up my game today. I'm not. Um, these are comfortable. But um, <laughs> if you're not an amen person, maybe you're a yeah person. So maybe we just try that. Like, just I'll, I'll do the same thing. We Yes or yeah or something. So let's try that. One, two, three, four. Yes. Um, so that's good. Uh, those are those are good, like, prayer insert words. Um, um, and this is called, I don't know, like if you've been in church very long, you've never seen this before uh, in this context. But this is called clapping, right? Like you take hand and hand, you put them together, and it makes this weird pop noise. Um, and uh, and it, it, I don't know, it's it's cool. I like it. I think it's pretty fun. Um, I, I do it on occasion. Movie theaters, not so much. Um, church, I'm good with it. Um, sporting events, good with it. Concerts, good with it. All that stuff, I'm good with that. Um, but like in the Bible, it says to clap your hands, oh, you people, right? Like it talks about clapping our hands in praise to God. It's not like, dude, you did such an awesome job on that song. I don't need that. You know, like, or man, I just love how you're thinking this morning. I don't need that. But maybe just there's some stuff in here that's too good just to set on our hands. And, and that's a good time to insert these things. So let's, let's count to four, and we're just going to try it. I like, go for it, right? One, two, three, four, and then this. Yeah. Um, now, watch this. We're going to play a game. We're going to put them together. So um, you guys just randomly, yes, are good whenever. You guys can amen just kind of in that. And, and you guys are special. You're going to try the woo noise. Ready? So you, you guys can't do this. Um, so I'm going to give you one, two, three, four, and we're going to woo together. Ready? So it can't be like, woo. That's not a, that's an unenthusiastic woo noise. It's not actually even helpful. So um, <laughs> um, it's kind of like we're like, yeah, just trying to get you to go to the next thing. Like, you know, um, so Ready? One, two, three, four, and we're going to do the woo noise, right? One, two, three, four. Woo! <laughs> now, I was louder than you, and I'm one person. You're a bunch. Um, so let's do it one more time. Ready? Like, one, two, three, four. Woo! Uh, let's try you guys. Um, <laughs> but you, can, you can do the yes. Um, so, uh, or a, you can do the amen. So that's good. All right, here we go. One, two, three, four. Woo! <laughs> You're worse than them. Let's try over here. Um, so let's just try this. Ready? One, two, three, four. Woo! <laughs> 
This is my woo section. Um, <laughs> we got them. So you guys are the woos. Uh, you can be the amens. You can be the yes. So we're going to put all that together. Just whenever you feel good about it, I just want you to jump in. Um, if you're not comfortable with this, um, they're not doing this next door. You could do <laughs> uh, So <laughs> just kidding. They would love to. Uh, we'll do this with them next Sunday maybe. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so we're going to four, and we'll just put all that together. Ready? So you know, what's your part? You're the... Yes, you're the, you're the, still better. Uh, okay, so here we go. Let's put all that together. Ready? One, two, three, four. We got some. Okay. Yeah. So, all right, that's good. Now, don't aim any of that at me this time. You're going to aim it all up there. Um, so let me just recap in case we're not sure why we're clapping or saying amen or yes or wooing. Um, Jesus died on the cross for you. Um, I mean, I wasn't ready yet, but that was good. Um, I was, I was going to count again, but you just do what you need to do. Um, so um, Jesus died on the cross for you that you could live. You were spiritually dead, um, and now you are spiritually alive if you know him. And uh, that's something to celebrate. So two, three, four, put all that together. So congratulations. Now we're like Church of God. Um, so... <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding, guys. Uh, you know, like I know that's that's funny, and I'm, I'm halfway just joking, but, but really, right? Like, isn't he worthy? Like we're like singing songs like "You Are Worthy," "You Are Worthy of Your Name." What time is lunch? You are worthy. I need to go to the bathroom. You are worthy of your name. There's Jesus. Right? <laughs> I didn't even practice that. Um, <laughs> the scary thing is my brain works that way. Um, but no kidding, right? Like he is. And it doesn't do anybody any good to sing it and not believe it. And if we believe it, why didn't it look like it? You know, because in reality, I just want to let you know where we're headed. We're praying for more space, not so we can accumulate more church people. I love church people. I'm a church people, and I want them because they know what's going on, and they're going to serve real fast, right? Like, we're going to jump in, and we're going to get the, the machine rolling. I love that. I'm not knocking that. But God didn't send us to evangelize to the church people. And we can choose today to be a church that says, um, I'm just going to accumulate the saints, right? And we'll be dead in 50 years. Or we can be a church that today says, no, I see the commission. God said in his word, like, there are lost people. That's a reality today. And he left the church here not to sing songs. If that's what you think he's leaving us here for, you missed the boat. And he left the church here not to tell everybody else how bad at being good they are, because we're pretty bad at being good. Um, he left the church here um, to go out and to seek, right? And to tell the story of Jesus so that he can save lost and he made that abundantly clear and i just want to say like if people walk in this room and 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 we're singing about the hope of jesus and we look like we're worried about the restroom then they're not going to jump on board with that right like if we're singing about the grace of god and and we're playing on the phone they're not going to jump on board with that because here's the reality either it's real or it's not Right, and, and I believe, because I know, because I've experienced, it's real. And if it's real, i got to be serious about that sometime. Right? So 
Your promise still stands right. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail me. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail me. That does something. Or like that does something. Because we're not singing a song that we like. We're singing the truths of who God is and what he does. And I didn't mean to do any of that this morning. But I just feel like it, we, we got to do it or we don't, right? Like, we got to do it or we don't. And we either believe it or we don't. And we believe it not because our day's good or not because we're awake enough. We believe it because God is who he says he is. And he's never failed. And he ain't going to start today. So we can celebrate, right, in that moment of Jesus. You are who you are. My day may be horrible. My week may be horrible. My month may be horrible. My year may be horrible. Maybe it's farther than that back. But you are the real deal. And I want you to know that I know. But I also want him to know that I know. And we put those two things together in worship. We will see God do amazing things. Aren't you tired of just making Sunday happen? Don't you want to meet with God? Well, it's there for the taking, right? Like God says in his word, draw near to me. That's the invitation. And I will draw near to you. That's the response. So we today have the opportunity to be as close as we want to be. Or we can sing songs. Right? So that was for free this morning. Hope somebody recorded that. Um, That was not as good as we practiced. Um, (laughs) But uh, that was for free this morning. And um, I didn't know I was doing that, but we did it. So this morning we're going to be in Genesis 4. And I'm going to jump into the Word because let's be honest, without the Word, this is a waste of time. Um, the word is the only thing that changes and challenges hearts and 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 I can tell stories and I can do jokes and i I can play music, but none of that means really much without this word because at the end of the day he says right the word of the Lord will stand forever. The elements are going to dissolve, and the world is going to pass away, but this word is eternal, and this morning we need it so God today, we put our feet firm in your word. And we ask, God, that you just speak into this place something that will change us forever. God, this morning, we already believe you're moving in that direction. So, God, this morning, we just want to lean forward and say, yes, God, I agree. I need to be changed in you. Do it. Do it. So, God, this morning, you move through your spirit, Holy Spirit. You fall in this place. You change us. We need you. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. That's good. Um, A few weeks ago, we started um, a a series that I didn't know was going to be a series, and we just kind of named it because it was going to be on the Internet, and I've never even said it, but it's called Stand. Um, (laughs) And uh, we've been talking about this fact, this truth, that we have an enemy, right? 
that we have an enemy who is not only like coming to, to mess with us and to make our days bad, we like to think that's all he does, or maybe to make us get all the red lights on the way to work when we're already late, so we might lose our job. Like that's the extent we think that he's doing most days, but he's out there and he's playing for keeps because he wants to kill us. Right, like last week we read in, in this word about how there's an enemy who's roaming around like a raving, roaring lion, seeking who he may devour, looking for anybody he can kill. And in the beginning of that, he says these, the, these words to, to the church. He says, be serious, right? Like, don't take it as a laughing matter. Be serious about this truth, and, and not only be serious about it, but be alert. And I was thinking about that because I think last week I gave a pretty dumb example um i said if there was a line roaming around in the church we would uh we would take that seriously but we, we can't relate to that right there's never been a lion in here that i know of um was a bar maybe got wild one day i have no idea um but but that i know of there's never been a lion in this room and most of us had never stood in a in a room with a lion that there wasn't some kind of barrier in between us so we can't relate to that so i was thinking today like what's something we can relate to and, and I can't make it maybe the, the depth of the lion, but I, I can show you what I'm talking about. If we all had to drive down Rutledge Pike to the interstate when we left here, right? Like, don't remember where you live for a moment. We all had to go get on the interstate, and we had to do that track down Rutledge Pike, and somebody texted me and said, hey, I just want you to know there's three cops spread out down Rutledge Pike, and they're getting people. What that would mean for a lot of us is, oh, dang, right? I got, I got to slow down. And I got to watch and I got to try to stay within the limits, right? I got to make sure I'm doing what I need to do because I normally, I don't know about you, but I just push that thing a little harder. I like to drive. Uh, it's fun for me. Um, I got it from Ninny. Um, <laughs> she knows it's true. That's why she laughed. Um, but I, I like to drive fast. It's, it's fun for me. Um, Mom, ignore all this. Um, I do that, and um, if somebody told me, and some of you do, thank the Lord, thank you for good friends, text me and say, there's a cop sitting down through there. When I left, I would leave with a different attitude than I like to drive, right? I would leave with, I'm going to get a ticket, because I don't like to pay tickets. I've got a few. They're not fun. Um, I want to spend my money on something else. It's not the government making me slow down. Um, I'm going to do it for a week, and then I'm going to go right back to it, just like you. Um, but we would all leave with a different attitude, wouldn't we? they're just trying to give us a fine. They're not trying to kill us, but we would stay within the limits, right? And we would watch ahead because the danger is we're going to have to pay some money to the government and we'd rather spend it on something else. Now take that, right? The devil is a raging, roaring lion seeking who he may devour and apply it. If we knew today that there was somebody out there waiting to kill us, we would leave this place with a different attitude. And the attitude to be one of, i, I got to stay within the limits, right? Oh, I like to have fun, don't you? But I don't want to die. i got to stay within the limits, and i got to be alert to the danger. And that is what he's saying. When he says, be serious and be alert, the devil is like a raging, roaring lion seeking who he may devour. He's saying, church, you need to notice this is a real deal. It's not about I prayed a sinner's prayer wherever that is in the Bible and I just do what I want to and then repent at the end of the day because you're going to be dead. It's about following God and following what he said to do. And, and I just was thinking about that this morning and the truth of that. 
Because we do have an enemy, and he does want to kill us, and most of us make it really easy. Maybe he's not taking our life, but he's taking our joy, right? He's taking our effectiveness. He can't take our usefulness, but he can make us feel useless. And he says, be serious. You don't want that to happen. And be alert. And this morning, we're going to continue talking about that in in Genesis. And I know maybe that sounds like a crazy part. We've been in the New Testament talking about this enemy. And this morning, we're going all the way back. Because in in the beginning, there was like two chapters without him. And then he showed up in three. And he wreaked havoc from that point in time on 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 people. At this point in time, we're going to end up in Genesis 4. But just kind of to recap what's been on. Because who knows? Maybe we don't really know. Um, in, in Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning was God, right? Like, there was God. In the beginning, there was God. In the beginning, there wasn't a universe. In the beginning, there wasn't planets and stars and all that stuff. There was God. And it says that he made everything. He spoke everything into existence. Even the word that it uses, this Hebrew word bara, is a term that's never used or applied to a human subject. And what it's saying with using that different word is God created in a way that's totally unique, that totally belongs to God, that even, even with the word, you can't really comprehend. Because God took nothing and he made everything, right? Like there was no building material, there was no building blocks, there wasn't any like uh, world-shaped Legos he needed to stick together. He, he, there was nothing and he spoke into that nothing, everything, and he did it in perfect order. Look through there. Men didn't even know biology when they would have written this thing down, but in, in the order, you can see the food chain develop, right? He created everything in the order it needed to be created, and then in, in six days did all that, and at the end of that, he made man. And it says that in chapter 2, he took man and he put man in this garden, right? Not two separate stories, one story. He put man in, in this garden. God planted a garden. He had a whole world, and he planted a garden. Look at that. And in this garden, it says that man walked with God. You you can look at the wording in Genesis 3. It said they knew what it sounded like for God's footsteps to hit the ground. Can you imagine there's a, a garden full of different animals, different shapes, different sizes, but they were so intimate with God, they knew what it sounded like for God to come strolling through the garden before they saw him. And God would meet with man. Man was able to embrace God, to talk with God, to to see God. And, and he would meet with him. He would sit down with him and he would show him things that, that he'd made, right? Like, what do you, look at that thing with the, with, the, with the large bill. What do you want to call that? A toucan, that's awesome. Um, I think it should sell uh, Fruit Loops one day. That would be amazing. Um, and, and they would sit and they would have these conversations. And Can you imagine that? Like a kid with God, right? Like God comes to the garden every day and we just want to come and we want to sit with God and God wants to show us all these things. We're just in such awe of everything that God has made and this is that intimacy that man had with God in the garden. And he enjoyed that for a while. And then eventually uh, they broke like one of the only rules they had in in the garden, right? Hey, don't eat off that tree, okay? You can have any other tree, Okay. And then old Mr. Serpent slithers up, and he's like, what'd God say about that tree? Oh, if we eat off of it, we're going to die. I knew the words of God. Oh, he surely didn't mean that. God did not mean that. See, he knows, like, if you eat of that tree, you're going to be like God. And in that moment, oh, God's holding something back from me. 
read, read Genesis 1. Man was made in the image of God. The snake wasn't offering him anything new. And then he follows it up with knowing the knowledge of good and evil. God had already told him everything that was good and everything that was evil. So here we have this dilemma. Do I want God or do I want to do it my way? Do I want to use his definition of good and evil or do I want to live off my definition of good and evil? And they chose their definition. And we've been doing the same thing ever since. And, and you, can, you can say, oh man, I cannot believe they would sell out God like that for a piece of fruit. But like, what do we sell him out for? Oh, it's so dumb. It's just a little thing. Yeah, it is. It is a little thing. And we do it every day. In that moment, um, when they decided to eat that fruit, man became spiritually dead. And at that moment, they were separated from God. Can you imagine that? I've never known that. Right? Like, I, I was born into separation, but Adam, he'd never experienced it. From the moment he was molded by God, he had been with God. They chose this fruit, and they were spiritually dead, separated from God at that moment, even to the point where God kicked them out of Eden. You can't be here anymore. You can't be in this place anymore. That's like three chapters into the book, right? God made everything. It was perfect. It was amazing. Man was created for intimacy with God, and in chapter three, just a few verses in, we jacked it up. We didn't even come into the story till the end of one, right? didn't take us long. And that's where we end up this morning in the story of Cain and Abel. You've probably heard it. It says in 4, that after they were kind of taken out of the garden, that Adam knew his wife Eve intimately. I'm not going to explain that. <laughs> and uh, she conceived or got pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She gave birth to this child, right? Great great news um and it says that she said i have a i have had a male child with the lord's help these are her words uh, I, even in this moment of i've fallen away from god she still acknowledges like there's no way i can make this happen right like she's in a place of separation from god and even in that place of separation from god she can see that god is helping her but I also think it's interesting to see that even in the place of separation from God, God is helping her. And she has this male child. Now, that's a big deal in, in this culture and, and especially up until maybe even the past couple decades, right? Like that's been a big deal. Uh, we want the male kids. We want male kids. We want to keep that name going. We want to keep our, our bloodline going. That's been a big deal in, in this context and in, in this history. That would have been a big deal. And she was thankful, right? Like, oh man, I've got this male child with the help of the Lord. This is the greatest day ever. It's the most amazing thing. Like she's pretty pumped about that. <coughs> and then it says in two, then she also gave birth to his brother Abel. Not as excited about this one, right? Are you reading this like the way I'm reading it? Because I read the Bible funny probably if you've not noticed that. Like I read that and, and she's like, oh man, this is great. I had this baby cane with the help of the Lord. Like this is the most amazing thing. And oh, by the way, he's got a brother. His brother Abel. That's, hey, Abel. Um, Cain, but he is, he's the one, right? Like, like they're looking at Cain like he's the firstborn. He's the male child. He's the greatest thing ever. Like can't believe God did this. And here's Abel. 
That's, that's how I read it anyway. Like, it's, it's what it looks like to me. Oh, man, we've had this baby boy Cain with the help of the Lord, and he had a brother. You, you don't want to be that guy in the story, right? Do you want to be that guy with your parents? Like, oh, yeah, you're the little brother. Oh, we love this, this kid. Woo, we're so proud of this guy. He's got a brother. Um, you know, like, th- no, nobody wants to be that kid, but here's Abel kind of looking like he, he follows that. And it says, and keep going, it says, Now Abel became a shepherd. Now, to my knowledge, right, we're, we're four chapters in. This is the first one of these guys that we've encountered, right? Now, Abel became a shepherd. He's a guy that likes animals too much uh, of a flock. But Cain cultivated the land. Nobody? You're not reading this like me. Like, oh, Abel, he, he's, um, he's kind of weird. Uh, he plays with animals all day long. He's not going anywhere. Um, he just kind of hangs out with sheep. It's weird. Um, sheep are kind of dirty. That's him. He just he's, he's a shepherd, whatever that is. Don't know. Never seen one before. That's what he does. Uh, but Cain, oh, but Cain, whoo, he works the land, right? Like you even see the word in there like, oh, uh, uh, Abel became a shepherd of flocks. But, but Cain, he cultivated this word that means like hard work, right? Like you can see like Cain is a man's man. Like he's muscular. He's tan. He's outside all day long swinging them shovels. Like that's what he's doing, planting things, growing things, picking things. Like he's, he's a farmer. He's a man. Oh, he cultivated the land. He went into the family business, right? Like God made, uh, God made Adam in charge of the garden, right? So here's Cain, this like child who's like doing everything right. Like he's the firstborn. He's, he's the one that like, oh, thank you God for him. And he's cultivating the land. He went into the family business. Like he's doing what dad does. He's a hard worker. And here's kind of Abel. He's weird. Uh, he's, he's Cain's brother. Um, oh, by the way, we have another kid. Uh, <laughs> name's Abel. He plays with sheep. That's what he does. Um, he's, oh man, uh, this is, let's go back to Cain, right? Like, that's how I'm reading this. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just reading it. Um, but that's the language to me anyway. And it says that he, Cain, cultivated the land, this big, strong kind of man. It says, in the course of time, Cain presented some, hold on to that word, of the land's produce as an offering to God. Over the course of time, somewhere in that period of I'm cultivating the land, I'm growing this stuff, it pops into Cain's head. You know what? I should give some of this to God. Right? Over the course of time, Cain gave some of the land's produce to God. Some of, right? The land's produce to God. That sounds like a great idea. I'm just going to throw that out there. Sounds like a good thing, right? Like, man, what a brilliant idea. I'm growing things, and obviously I'm not doing this on my own, so I'm going to give some of this back to God. I'm just going to give him some. But we don't know what the sum is. It's just he gives him something, right? Like, thank you for my carrot. Um, <laughs> and it says, and for, and Abel also presented an offering. Abel, as a good young brother would do, saw this, and he's like, man, that's a great idea. Man, big brother, man, I want to be like you. Everybody obviously loves you. Mom and dad, they love you. Uh, I'm kind of weird. But you gave that offering, and that's great. Everybody's clapping. I want to give an offering too. So he sees it, and he responds by doing likewise. Abel also presented an offering. Cain's idea, Abel followed. And it says he gave some, there's that word again, of the firstborn, different word, of the flock, and their fat portions. 
So he sees his brother give this offering, and he's like, man, that's a great idea. I want to do that too. So he goes, and he makes his own offering, and he takes some, but he takes some of the firstborn, different thing of his flocks, and he offers that up to God. We have two offerings on the table right now. We have this vegetation offering of whatever he decided to bring, and then we have like this meat offering of of these firstborn kind of young lambs. This is what we got on the table. And it says that the Lord had regard or esteem or he saw and he accepted, right? Like he, he enjoyed, is the idea here, um, the offering from Abel. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, that he accepted it. It was good. And it says in 5, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. So God had regard for Abel, the person, right? And his offering, both. But he did not have regard for Cain, the person, and his offering. Now, can you imagine this? It actually even goes on, and it says that Cain was furious or extremely angry, and he was downcast. And this word used is what your face has fallen, literally, is what this term would mean. That he's sad, he's down, he's depressed, he's looking at that, and he's, he's part mad because, dude, it was my idea, right? I'm the one that came up with the idea to give the offering. That was me. He just went with me on the journey. And you want his, and you like his, but you don't like mine. What's up with that? He's part mad and part, I don't get this. And I can look at that, and I can real quick just jump on board with Cain, can't you? Let me just rewind a little bit. Um, It was his idea. He'd come up with it. If he wouldn't have given an offering, there's no evidence Abel would have ever came and gave one. It was Cain decided to give some of the land's produce, and then Abel saw it, and he's like, great idea, brother. Let me do it too. So you can see like where Cain would be like, God, what's up with that? It was my idea. I came up with the idea to give the offering. It was me. It was me. The first offering in the Bible we see is the first rejected offering in the Bible that we see. And Cain, he wouldn't have been used to that. He was big brother. He was strong, like, I'm doing the family work guy. He was like, I'm out here getting tan and muscular, working in the field. My brother, he plays with sheep. Like, I'm always accepted by family and friends and everybody else. And brother is a weirdo. God, why do you see it different? Why? <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm, I don't even know what to do myself right now, right? Like you, you can jump on board with that. You ever brought something to God and you're just like, man, he's just, I don't, I don't feel like he's appreciating that. I just, I don't feel like he is doing anything in response to what I did. This is in six, then God had a conversation with Cain, right? Like the Lord said to Cain, why are you furious? Why are you so mad? Why, why, are you, why are you acting like this? Is basically what he's saying. Because Cain, I'll just put it in words we'll understand, is having a little temper tantrum right now. 
I can't believe you, God, you didn't accept my offering. He's like kicking stuff, probably walking through the house. He's never been treated like this before. Mom and dad are always like clapping for him. They're the woo noise people in his life. And here, God has rejected it, and he feels so wronged. And he's so mad because he feels so wronged, and he's disappointed because he feels so wrong. He's probably never done anything that people haven't accepted in his whole life, right, up to this point in time. And God looks at him, and he has a, like a, a heart-to-heart. He's like, why are you furious? Why are you acting this way? Please tell me. Um, enlighten me, all right? Like, why are you so downcast? Why is your face falling, as we say? Why, why are you walking around with that pouting face on? Why do you look so sad? And then he says this thing. He says, if you do right, won't you be accepted? If you do right, won't you be accepted? You hear that? God didn't even address the offering. We want to read this story and we're like, oh, God doesn't like vegetables. <laughs> Leviticus 2, go look it up. God was fine with vegetables. Right? Like there was a way that you could bring in the, in the sacrificial system after God set it up, grain to God. You could do that. It's called cereal offerings. You could go and you could make those. It had nothing to do with carrots and lettuce and peas and all that stuff. Like you didn't care about that. There's a deeper issue here. So what, what, is, what is the issue That's something we have to ask ourselves in this verse because he says to him, if you do right, if your heart is right, if your actions from your heart are correct, won't you, right? Not your offering. It's never been about your offering. This is just a secondary issue. The offering was just there to show your heart. If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? That's this question that he asked him. So you can look and you're like, well, does God like veggies better or meat better? And I don't think he cares. Like that's not, that's a non-issue here. I think you have to step back further from that and look at the wording in the original offerings. It says that Cain brought some of the produce of the land to God. What is the sum, right? Maybe Cain just had an abundance that time. It's like, oh, I got more carrots than I can eat. I don't even know what to do with all these carrots. Like, I, I took them, and I gave mom some, and I gave dad some. I even gave Abel stupid sheep some. Like, I just have so many carrots. I don't know what to do with all these carrots. I think I'll make an offering and see if God will pat me on the back. So maybe it was out of his abundance. He was like, I just, I can't, it's going to sit there and rot anyway, right? Or maybe, just maybe, like, the rain didn't hit this one patch very well, and all the carrots were just little bitty carrots. What am I going to do with that? I can't eat that, Right? carrots are small nobody's going to take that I'll take that to God I'll take the the stuff nobody else wants I'll take the leftovers to God maybe that was it I have no idea but what I do know is the wording is some meaning whatever he brought he thought was good enough for God whether that's I'm going to bring you my second best whether that's I'm going to bring you my abundance my leftovers whether that's I'm going to just bring you all the stuff that I don't have time to fool with, no matter what that is, right? Like, I don't have time to build another shed to store my stuff, so I'll just give you this. Like, whatever that looks like is what he brought. And he expected God to be like, thank you for your leftovers, Cain. Oh, thank you for your second best. I'm so glad you thought of me. 
Thank you for your rotten lettuce. That was amazing. I love rotten lettuce. I just love it when you give me all the stuff that is too, not good enough for you. That is amazing. Because he brought him some. And in my experience, some is just what I got. Right? Like some could be, I mean, I have this leftover time. I set aside this time for you because it's just whatever. It's even the difference in believing I start my week with church or I end my week with church, right? It's even how you view Sunday. Oh, I'm going to tack Sunday on at the end of my week. I, I'm going to work hard Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I'm going to party it up Saturday, and then Sunday i got to go to church because that's just what I do. Seems simple, doesn't it? Or, dude, I have to start my week with God, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday are going to be horrible. It's a heart thing, right? It's not the offering. The offering is the exact same thing. It's, it's the heart behind the offering. Maybe it's, uh, I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't have time to do this thing, or, or I just can't get into this thing, or I don't, I don't know if I have enough to do this thing. All those things would be words that you would find with a Cain-like offering. God, you're going to get what you get, and I hope you clap. I need that. i got to have that. I want that. I don't have time for that. Those are Cain-like offering words. But it says the Abel, he came, and he brought some, right? It's again, it gets, it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's an amount, right? Some, 10%, 20%, 30%, 40%, 7%, 2%. It doesn't matter. Some is some, right? Some is some. It's not about the percentage that we want to put on it. Percentage people are, are, are in the Cain-like offering attitude. Because what you want to know is what is the maximum I have to do for God to be pleased? Right? It's like when the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he's like, hey, what do I have to do to get to heaven? What do I have to do to get into eternal life? What he's wanting to know is not please let me be deeply in love with you, but please tell me where the line is so I can get right up to it. Yeah. That's a Cain-like offering. God, tell me the minimum amount that I have to give you for you to be pleased. That's what I want to give you, the minimum amount. That's not a percentage-based thing. That's a heart-based thing. And here Abel comes in, and Abel gives him some, right? It's a percentage. Maybe Abel gave him one lamb out of seven lambs. Who knows, and who cares? It doesn't matter. But what Abel did was he gave him some of the first fruits. Before I'm taking anything, God, before I'm touching anything, any of this, I'm going to inspect it. I'm going to find the very best, right? And I'm going to give to you first. First fruit's a word that means like before I take mine, you take yours. That's a first fruit offering. But even greater than that, it's not just first, but it's best. And anybody in this context, anybody that was a Jewish man or woman, any Hebrew would hear that and they would know that immediately. Abel didn't just bring some and he didn't just bring the first. He brought the best. And what that means is, when I'm looking over all these new little lambs, that one's blind. It is not good enough for my God. I'll keep it. That one's weak. That one, it's not even stood up yet. That's not good enough for my God. I'll keep it. Whatever happens with it, happens with it. Oh, that is a strong and beautiful lamb. That's the one. That's the one that he deserves. See the heart behind that? Before I touch anything, God, before I take anything, what do you want? What can I give you? Not what do you expect. Not what will please you. What can I give you? 
That's the difference in a Cain offering and an Abel offering. Cain walks in the room and he's like, hey God, this is what I got today. Hope you're happy. Abel walks in and he's like, oh my gosh, what I have is not enough, but this is the best I got here. Will you take it? And it says, when, when God saw that, he had regard for, Abel's, for Abel, right? I see your heart. I see your heart. And he had regard for his offering. Cain might have brought two truckloads of carrots in there. And Abel might have brought one lamb. But Abel's heart was, God, you deserve the best. And Cain's heart was, God, you deserve the extra or the excess or the abundance. You, you just deserve whatever I don't want or don't need or can't take. And because of that, God looked at Cain and he's like, I'm not pleased. Oh, sure, it was your idea. But you can't see me because if you can see me, you can't respond to me that way. But Abel, he sees Cain. He gave you one stupid lamb, God. It is the best he had. He took the weak and he took the lame. You gave me the rotten. And he looks at Cain and he says to Cain, right? Like these, this is beautiful words, really, if you look at it. And it's a beautiful promise, really, if you look at it. He looks at him and he doesn't say, you're an idiot. Why are you bringing me this crap? Sorry for the vulgar stuff, but I think we need to know. Like, this is what we're bringing God sometimes. Like, wh- why are you bringing me this? This makes me want to vomit. You wouldn't eat this. You wouldn't take this. You wouldn't accept this. You wouldn't give this to anybody else. But you bring it in here and you want me to, (laughs) woo, thank you for my carrot. Man, I wish they were as Christian as you. And your heart is wrong. And he looks at him and he says, if you do what's right, won't you be accepted? It's not a personal thing. I'm not mad at you. It's not that I've chosen your brother over you. It's that your brother chose me over himself. And you chose you. See, I think the problem we walk into is a lot of us want to check our heart for God by what we give him. Right? Like Cain rolls up, two truckloads of vegetables, and he's like, God, look how much I love you. Look at all this stuff I'm giving you. But God doesn't check our heart by what we give him. He checks our heart by what we keep from him. See, the, in reality, your heart for God is not displayed in your extravagant like offerings and your extravagant like uh, showing up and raising my hands. That doesn't do anything. Oh, I go to church. Right on. Oh, I prayed a prayer last night. Oh, oh boy. So pleased. Oh, I changed my radio station to Christian radio. That's great. Hallelujah. But what do you still got? What are you keeping? Oh, I know. Like, we see all this stuff, right? Like, oh, I come in today and the trunk trunk came early. It's good. I'm just going to sit here. It's good, Jesus. It's good. It's good. Woo! Powerful. Amen. Um, Oh, I said louder. Amen. You know, like... I'm so holy, so good. And I wonder how many of us God's looking at. He's like, brother, I've seen what you're holding back. (laughs) I'm not even fooled by that. 
Because if I could define your offering, your offering would be defined by, I don't have time to do this, so I'll come to church. Your heart's jacked up. I need this, I can't give that. Your heart is jacked up. I don't know if I can trust you with all that, but I'll give you this. Oh, your heart's jacked up. And you can keep coming, you can keep standing, you can keep raising, you can keep putting stuff in there, and that's great. I'm going to pat you on the whole back. The whole, I'm, well, man, that's good. I wish you'd get your heart right. But he gives him this invitation that doesn't say, but because you're stupid, I've cast you out, and you're never coming back. What he says is, all you got to do is give me what I deserve, and that's not 14 carats or 30 carats or 90% of your carats. It's your heart. Maybe 90% of your carats isn't really a big deal to you, but you can give it all day long, but, man, it's your heart that God wants. And he says to him, but if you do not do right, this is the alternative. Oh, I'll accept you if you change your heart. I'll take anything you got. If all your lettuce is rotten and you give me the least rotten one, I'll take the least rotten one and I'll be pleased with it if that's what you got. But if you don't, Sin is crouching at the door. It's waiting to pounce on you. It's this image of like an animal, right, ready to attack. Here we have this imagery of what we were reading about last week attached to a, a, a thing now instead of a person. Sin is crouching at the door like a wild animal, right? Sin wants to have you. It wants to kill you. The only defense from that is to give God your heart not to give God more church time or more Bible reading time or no more praying time or it's not about a percentage it's about giving him your heart right he says if you don't do what's right here's the alternative sin is crouching at the door and it wants to kill you it says it's desire this word is a, a, a word basically meaning intimacy this desire is for you sin wants to be intimate with you Sin wants to be intimate with you. It wants to kill you, and the way it's going to do that is to be intimate with you. That's what the word is saying. And you can't play around with that, can you? See, the truth of it is, you think maybe I can contain this much or handle this much or maybe I can get this close. And the truth of it is, when you get that close, you will be pulled in by your lustful desires and you will be destroyed by sin because it will be intimate with you. See, the truth of it is, there's going to be intimacy in your life one way and that intimacy is going to be intimacy with God, which we were created for, or intimacy with sin, which will destroy you. One of those leads to life. Intimacy with God leads to life and joy and happiness and peace, but intimacy with sin leads you to death. And you're going to get one. There's no middle ground. You're going to get one. See, the truth of it is, God either has your heart or he doesn't have your heart. There's no middle ground. 
And we want to live in this middle place of I go to church and I kind of like do this. And then like when I'm not here, I do this. And I want to live in the bubble. I want to live in the gap. And he's like, there is no gap. Cain wanted his stuff and he wanted the best and he saw him as the greatest thing in his life and he saw him as the most deserving thing in his life so he took what he wanted. Abel saw God as the greatest thing in his life and he gave out of that truth. Abel had intimacy with God. Cain had intimacy with sin. And there was no middle ground. Everybody, by the way, was looking at Cain and saying, Brother, you got it together. You are the man. You, whoo, I'm so proud of you. You're the firstborn. Everything's going your way. When I die, you're getting it all. And Abel's going to play with sheep. But don't tell him that. Like, you are the man. And Abel had nobody but God. But God saw his heart. This is amazing to me. He gave Cain this one kind of final thing. He basically says, let me sum it up, it doesn't have to be that way. You can master it. You can win over it. You can defeat it. You can beat it. You can come up out of it. You don't have to live in your wicked heart, in your wicked ways. You don't have to live in the presents or the I don't have times or the I don't have enough. You don't have to live in that at all. You can master sin. You can do it. You don't have to live in it. You don't have to be under its rule. But the only way to do that is to take your heart, not your stuff and not your actions and not your time and not just little bitty bits and pieces that you can afford to give, but to take your heart and to say first, God, here is my heart. You do what you want with it. Here's not my 10% or my 20 or my 90. Here's my heart. God will take care of this. Not, oh God, I'll, I'll join a serve team and I'll make sure I'm doing something. God will take care of that. Here's my heart, God. What do you want? Not what can I afford to give, but what can I afford to keep? We know the end of this story. We've probably heard it. Cain asked his brother to go on a walk and then kills him in a field. Because of that, he was cut off not only from God, but from his people. He was sent away. Everything that he thought he deserved and earned, and he was the good boy, and he was the child of promise, and he was the greatest, like all that was cut off and removed, and he was sent off into kind of the history books, right? But can I say, that didn't start with, I killed my brother. I killed my brother was the end result of a wicked heart that God used an offer, a wicked offering to display to him. I had a wicked heart and I wouldn't give God what he deserved. And at the end of the day, where that leads me, I don't know. But here's what we know today from this story. We can check our spiritual apathy towards God with what God gets, can't we? I'm not talking about percentages. Get mad if you want. Cut me off because you think I'm talking about money. I'm not talking about that. God will take care of that. I'm not worried about that. Oh, we're talking about he's trying to make you feel bad for not serving. No, I'm not. Use that all day long if you want. 
I'm just saying, maybe if we're not, maybe that's displaying something. I'm just throwing it out there because here's what God says, right? Like, there's a sin waiting at the door to have you. It wants to be intimate with you, and it will kill you. It will destroy your life. It will send you away. It will put you in exile, and you'll die. And if we can stop that today, shouldn't we? If we can red flag that today, shouldn't we do that? Why, why wait until we're in the field with our brother with a rock in our hand to see if we're going to do it or not? Why can't we stop it today? So here's the question today. Are we bringing the best we have? Are we bringing the leftovers to God? Because that displays your heart for him. I don't care how many times you read your Bible. That is a great and beautiful thing. But if you're just doing it because you feel like God's going to be mad if you don't do it, your heart is, I'm just giving you what I can. You're not reading it because you love it and because you want to. You're just reading it because you're giving something. Why don't you want to? That's the issue we're trying to get to today. I don't care if you give 10%, 20%, 30%, 80%, 90%. If you're doing it because you feel like God's going to love you more because you give more, there's a different issue. See, we're given from a spot of, God, you're the greatest thing ever, and I know you're going to take care of me no matter what I do with this thing. Not, God, how much do I have to give you so you'll be happy? And if that's the heart today, if you give 100% and you live in a box, your heart's still wicked, and it's a wicked offering. But I sing the songs and I raise my hands. Well, that's great. Whose attention are you looking for? Are you aiming all that towards God because you've seen him and he just can't be any more worthy in your mind? Like if you, if you could do anything more, you would. I can go to the lab and get more arms sewn on because I just need to worship you more or I have to raise my hands because people are going to think that I don't love God if I don't do it. Get more arms. It's a wicked offering. All I'm saying today is check your motivation on why you do what you do. And if your motivation is not, God, I see you, what can I give you? And maybe, just maybe, just maybe at the depth of it, there's something greater in your heart than him. And if we don't get a hold of that today, what are we going to look like in a month or two months or six months or a year? Where are you going to be? See, I'm, I'm worried for some of us because I see these things. I see, like, I, I don't care about doing this. I don't, I don't care about listening. I don't care about learning. I don't care about wanting. I, I'm not, I don't desire him. I see that, and I'm like, dude, you are headed toward destruction, and you're going to die, and I'm trying to do everything I can except for come and hit you with the frying pan. Because I don't want to see you walk away. I don't want to see you leave him. I don't, I don't want to see it, but your heart today is not a heart that's given an able-like offering. It's God, it's all about me. And I'll give you what I can. And just in the words of God today, I want you to hear this, right? Like, be serious about this. Watch out for this. Spiritual apathy is going to kill some of you guys. Oh, I come to church. That's great. Your heart is wicked. And your church attendance is a wicked offering because you're just doing it to check a box and sin is crouching at the door and it wants to be intimate, it wants to be intimate with you and you're going to find yourself in a field with a rock and you're going to do something stupid and you're going to be cast away forever because your heart's bad. Not because your offering's bad. 
And I'm just trying to say, stop. Spiritual complacency is going to kill you. I'm good where I'm at. No, you're not. Your heart's wicked. Spiritual apathy is going to kill you. I mean, I sing the songs. You're going to die. If you're not pursuing him, sin is pursuing you, and you will die. And it doesn't have to be that way. If you do what's right, won't you be accepted? I just don't feel God like I used to. If you do what's right, won't you be accepted? I just don't hear him like I used to. If you do what's right, won't you be accepted? I just want you to put the rock down. God says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. Not Bob, draw near to me, or Sue, draw near to me, but Abel and Cain all together, draw near to me. Come on. Put the rock down and come on. The invitation is the same today, isn't it? Maybe the rock for some of you guys is this. Put it down. Maybe the rock for some of you guys is this. Put it down. If this is your rock, put it down, right? I get chapstick left. That's my rock. Put it down. I'm out of stuff except the microphone and my shirt, and you don't want to see that. But if you don't, you're going to die. And there's nobody in here that wants to see that. And he doesn't want to see that. Let's pray.